Thanks for tuning in to the Living Grace in Today's World podcast, brought to you by Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. Our pastor, Dave Roberts, shares this message from the Bible about God's gift of grace and what it looks like to be people of grace in today's world. It is our prayer that you will see how different God's grace really is from everything else. Welcome to Living Grace in Today's World. Enjoy! Thanks for joining us today and thanks for listening. We hope that uh, you will enjoy uh, this podcast and join us as each episode drops. Uh, we're launching this podcast with the intent of being able to explore how God's people can be uh, living grace in a world that is increasingly more and more, well, let's just say it, hostile to their faith. Um, my name's Dave Roberts. I serve as pastor of Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. I've been the pastor here at Grace for nearly 20 years, and uh, over that time, God has deepened my own personal calling to give God's people this biblical understanding of grace. Uh, one of the premises that I work from is that grace is, well, let's just say it's difficult to understand because we really don't have a context for it in our world. And yet Jesus, it says in John 1, was full of grace and full of truth, and if God's people are truly going to have an influence in the current generation, we're going to have to be people of grace and understand what that means. The answers to our current cultural slide are not political. I know that probably doesn't come as earth-shattering news, but, uh, but they're not even social. They're not educational. It's not even a matter of getting better laws. The answer to our current cultural slide really is Christ. And and, and, and not just a caricature of Jesus uh, that I think sometimes is created by the modern church where he has either come to always make you happy or he's come to hold you accountable for better behavior. No, the real Jesus, full of grace and truth. And that's really what we're going to explore in these podcast episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about current uh, cultural trends and uh, and not only see how we are to live in this post-Christian society, but also how people who are filled with God's grace can have really remarkable influence as the true Jesus. He still lives on. He's being revealed through his body today. And so today, in this opening episode, I, I just want to give some foundational teaching on how God has set up this whole world from the very beginning because I think it's going to help us uh, as we begin to get some kind of context for grace, somehow to get our minds around what this, this biblical definition, what this biblical idea of grace is all about. Because if we don't understand God's grace and how it completely is sufficient for our lives, then uh, how are we going to influence culture towards Christ? His life was all grace, all truth, all the time. And so to begin, well, we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And uh, here's what God says to Adam. Genesis 2, 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. The two trees represent two distinct systems of living. 
First off, think of the names of the two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes we think of the fall as a choice between good and evil. Well, I suppose a case could be made for that because God had prohibited one of the trees, so a good choice was the tree of life and a bad choice was the other tree, but uh, there is great meaning in how God chose to name these two trees. And the mistake we make is thinking that Eve and then Adam had this uncontrollable desire for evil, but it is not called the tree of evil. (laughs) What Eve really wanted was to know what was good and what was evil, just like God knew. She wanted to know so she could avoid evil and, and focus on those things that were good. In many ways, we could call this the morality tree. They wanted inside information just like God had. They wanted to be able to make their own decisions about choosing right and avoiding wrong. God didn't want that for them. Can you believe that? He didn't want that for them. He wanted them to rest in him, in his life, and and gain all their resources from living from him. He didn't didn't even want them to enter the whole system of behavior-oriented, performance-driven morality where they're, they're just striving each and every day, trying hard to do the good things, trying hard to avoid the bad things. And I mean, how many of us have tried to live that way? Why did God want them to avoid that whole system? Because he knew that they would be unable to perform up to their expected standards. It's kind of the role of the law. So because they ate of the tree, and yes, their eyes were open to this whole system, uh, Well, they died spiritually. They chose to depend on themselves instead of God, and and really sin had its fertile ground on which to grow and flourish. I believe wholeheartedly there are only two ways to live, and uh, they are represented by these two trees in the garden. I've spent much of my ministry studying different worldviews, teach this often, and there's really many worldviews out there, but probably six predominantly in the Western culture. And they all live from the wrong tree except Christianity. You think about it, humanism, Buddhism, Islam, Marxism, the New Age, postmodernism. They've all developed these systems of righteousness based on human behavior. If you're good enough, perform well enough, believe what we tell you to believe... Well, then there's a payoff. There's redemption. There's position. There's respect. And Christianity, well, it just admits right up front, we don't don't have what it takes to be righteous. We're needy. We're helpless creatures without God. I would contend we just are in agreement with what is true and real. When you think about it, Well, the whole sinful world is built around this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we're toddlers, we're applauded and rewarded for doing right and scolded or worse when we do evil. And you get to school, you get report cards evaluating your performance, both academically and your conduct. And we get a job and at least once a year, what do we get? A performance review to see if the company will keep us another year or not. And if you're not doing well at any stage... Well, you're either spanked, flunked, or fired. (laughs) It's just the way the world, it's just the way the tree of the knowledge of good and evil system operates. It knows you, well, you just can't be trusted on your own to be good. 
So we have to have these external consequences that have been inserted to keep you from being bad. Now this system of, well, let's just call it behavioral control is, is, is one we are all very well acquainted with because we have grown up in it. Well, let me ask this question. Is the same system being used in the church? Yeah, perhaps so. I mean, just think, many Christians today find themselves struggling to keep their heads above water spiritually. I've met so many of them, and some say they feel their spiritual life, well, it's just kind of like a roller coaster. Sometimes I'm riding high on the mountaintop of success, other times living in a deep and dark valley of sinful failure. And Well, it's all based on how well I'm doing. When their willpower is great and obedience high and they've had their quiet time in the morning for five days in a row, well, they feel on top of the world. When they sin, well, they crater. What do they do? They double down on, well, I've got to read more scripture. I've got to pray 15 more minutes every morning. I've got to sign up for more Bible studies. Oh, I need accountability groups. The problem is that even if those things have some success in limiting sin, they feel no closer to God. There's a loneliness spiritually. It's just because they're eating from the wrong tree. They're trying to live a life they were never created to live. You you can't live the life of Christ from the wrong tree. Here's the truth. Jesus is the only one who can live the Christian life. (laughs) So my advice, you ought to let him. You just ought to let him. You were never intended to live the life God has for you. You were always to be eating, nourishing yourself from the tree of life, which is Christ. It will meet your daily needs for nourishment day after day after day. He will give you what you need. He is the Redeemer sent to us to forgive us for living from the wrong tree so that once again we could have access to this good tree, which is Him. Remember what, remember what God said was the consequence of eating of the wrong tree. You will surely... What? Be evil? Be bad? No. Die. Living life from the nourishment of Jesus is the opposite. It brings life. Remember this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live You see, it's not my goal in, when I get up in the morning to set out to do good things and try hard not to sin. Oh, believe me when I say that I have tried that over and over in my life, and it never ended very well. Mm-mm. My goal is to know the reality of Christ in me for that day and to let him live his perfect life in and through me. I just kind of want to stay out of his way. (laughs) Every moment of my day surrendered to him and his control is a moment where sin has no allure to me. Every moment lived from my resources and effort is a moment of vulnerability to temptation and sin. 
But in reality, I don't even think that way. It's not about that. It's not about the evaluation of my performance. It's about him. And the more he has my attention, then the more life bears fruit, sins less, is at peace, can relax. God never intended for humanity to take upon itself the burden of developing and following this code of ethics. He wanted us living from his life. And when that happens, well, to be honest, the moral behavior we know is right (laughs) begins to emerge as his life shines through and in us. We see this over and over in scriptures. You think of the Pharisees. What was their problem? Why did Jesus have such a hard time with them? Well, it's because they're running the church completely by the world's tree, performance. Following the rules was the basis for righteousness. Jesus called them what? Whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside, dead, dead. Lots of Pharisees in the church world today, trying hard to obey with good behavior, but dead because they're not living from the tree of life. Probably throughout the episodes of this podcast, you'll hear me refer to Luke 15 often because I think the story of the prodigal son is so um, illustrative of what life in Christ really is like. We call it the story of the prodigal son, but it's really a story about two sons and a dad. There's this immoral, wayward prodigal, we call him, who is gloriously saved, comes to his senses, and he comes home and his dad throws him this lavish party. The older brother, let's just call him the wrong tree brother, he had lived this life of morality, always working hard to be good, trying very hard not to sin, not to displease dad. And the tragedy of the story is that this moral brother is the only person in the story who does not get into the party because he is resentful over, well, the unmerited grace for his little prodigal brother. That brings up another point. People who live from the wrong tree, these performance monitors, these behavior, (laughs) uh, people who are always on the lookout to see how everybody's behaving, those kind of people, you know, they, they really have an offense to grace. I might even say they hate it. Oh, we have lots of biblical examples. You just think of Jesus when he's in Jericho and he He decides he's going to go eat with who? He's going to eat with the dirty, sinful tax collector, Zacchaeus. He comes to town. They've been waiting for him. All the religious people, all the Pharisees, everybody who was important wanted to see Jesus. And he comes to town and he picks the most immoral, the tax collector, the cheat. That's who I want to go eat with. And it says that the morally good people grumble. What's he going to do eating with that scum? You remember back in Jonah's day, 
when God forgave the Ninevites, those dirty, sinful people. Actually, if you study the Ninevites, you might even call them terrorists. They were just the worst of the worst. And God, through Jonah's ministry, saved them. And Jonah objected because they just didn't deserve it. But isn't that the point? You see, if it's deserved, you can't call it grace. The bottom line is we are all incapable of living God's life. So we surrender instead of trying harder. We embrace weakness in order that he can make us strong. So let me challenge you a little bit here. Uh, when you're teaching your kids, should you say things like this? Uh, little Johnny, you can be anything you want to be if you just work hard. <laughs> Here's what I would say. Eh, wrong answer. Wrong tree. Here's another one. Just be good. Stay out of trouble and you'll go far in this world. I don't think so. Wrong tree. One more. Oh, how many, how many parents have said this? When life knocks you down, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make something of yourself. <laughs> you guessed it. <clears throat> Wrong tree. See, every failure... It's just a reminder of how incapable we are, and it, 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 it serves to push us into the arms of the sufficient, strong Christ. But do you see how, how over and over we reinforce the wrong tree, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us through our kids? Jesus said that to find real life, you have to do what? You have to lose your hold over your life. We, we should constantly be telling our kids that they don't have what it takes to be the person God is calling them to be because none of us do. Second Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everything needed for the Christian life is given to us. And the only way we're ever going to realize God's plan for our life is to accept that we can't live the way we ought to live on our own. I love the I love the the, the quote from C.S. Lewis. I think it's at the end of the first chapter of Mere Christianity, where he says, "There's two things that we all know. Uh, one is that we all know the way we ought to live, <laughs> and number two, we all know we don't live that way. <laughs> we have to receive everything because we don't have it on our own." And in fact, God wants us to see that he has chosen to place his gifts, his power, his life into our weak vessels in order that Jesus may live on in this world manifested through 
these very weak vessels. And I hope you see how different, maybe even how odd, grace seems in our world today. Everything, everything today seems to be a power struggle for control or a fight for justice or some attempt to coerce compliance to the prevailing beliefs of the day. And it's into that kind of world Jesus and his grace lives on through his people who proclaim good news to the afflicted, healing for the broken and real, genuine freedom to the captive. If God's people, if you want to change culture, it won't come through changing people's behavior, telling them where they are bad and need to straighten up, or through any kind of wrong tree living. Culture is changed when more and more people understand the relaxing, enjoying security and nourishment of eating from the tree of Christ, the tree of life. I hope you join us on our next episode. We do hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If you'd like to learn more about Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas, please visit us at gbcgt.org. Many blessings from our church family to yours.